Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's up, everybody? My name is James D. Fury, and you're watching or listening to Blackballed. I never see the listening to part. Um, it was a big day yesterday when we got the news that the Supreme Court decision document was leaked. It was a draft decision document was leaked, evidently um, overturning Roe versus Wade. Um, obviously, the um, you know the the vibrations that that this like the cataclysmic vibrations that this sent out kind of all over the world um was pretty crazy they're now pursuing the person who leaked the document um to see if they are going to press charges um that would be a kind of unprecedented with a a story like this but you never know um and i thought to myself um i would like to talk about it and then i had the and you got to give it to 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 like the woke woke because they're the reason why I feel this way. And maybe this is like one of the good characteristics of the woke woke is that I stopped and I I thought to myself, okay, I, I can't just like go on by myself because I'm just this dude who is never going to have an abortion because I'm a dude. Um, and then I was like, okay, so who should I have on the show? And then all of a sudden I realized that the answer was obvious. Um, in fact, I met her on a show where I was at my worst the first time I met this, uh, my, my guest tonight. Um, that was the um, now infamous Shrooms episode with um, Rain from Our Lady Peace and um, not a shining moment of mine. Um, anyways, um, we bicker, but we love each other, I think. Um, and welcome to the show, please, Abby. Hi. Abby, how are Hi. you? Good, how are you? Good. Um, I thought of you immediately, to be honest with you, um, about this issue, because I think that in, especially in the sort of like Dean Blundell ecosystem, um, I think of you as like the progressive who, um, you know, who makes good arguments, um, and doesn't like, you know, uh, make me think, oh fuck, you know, like, and start rolling my eyes at like the uber progressiveness of you, even though you are probably very progressive. I think that you handle yourself, um, in a way that I like despite the fact that we've not gotten along sometimes in the past, but we both know that was probably your fault. Um, uh, no. However, <laughs> equal opportunity. Yeah, no, totally. Um, <laughs> you wrote a piece today. Uh, let me see where it is. 
Striking down Roe versus Wade isn't just an American issue. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read from the first uh, couple paragraphs here. So you think it won't happen here in Canada. Maintaining the status quo sufficient. I, uh, my logo is covering it. Maintaining the status. It is status quo, right? Status quo the status is quo sufficient protection for the reproductive rights of Canadian women. If so, we disagree. For one thing, there are zero federal laws governing access to abortion in Canada. The Mulroney-led PCs attempted to enshrine women's reproductive rights into Canadian law in the 1980s, but no political consensus led to decriminalization. No woman could be prosecuted for seeking abortion for any reason, and no physicians were obligated to perform them. Now, I thought that was really interesting because for, for one main reason. Mm -hmm. Whenever I talk to somebody... And I'm thinking of someone like Antonia Zerbasius, who used to be, I believe she was the admin for Henry Morgan Tyler, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm -hmm. And she's been around like the um, um, the abortion issue. You know what? I might be getting her confused with someone else. Anyways, um, but I thought of someone like that, a, a, an older generation woman who was there when abortion rights were being fought by the generation above ours, or at least above mine. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and how that point that you just pointed out was what they felt protected abortion rights yes, more than put us into trouble. Can you can you educate not just myself, but the audience on on because there is obviously a spectrum of opinion when it comes yeah. to that particular facet. The obviously decriminalization can be viewed as being a very positive thing. And obviously, um, for the most part, it hasn't negatively impacted Canadian women, um, but there are definitely still issues like access in certain parts of the country is dismal. Um, so it, it's not the total um, equal solution is essentially what my argument is there, but I'm not prepared to say to these women that that perspective is wrong I, either like i absolutely understand that perspective i believe that it has you know shown its effects um in certain ways um but i do think that it has obvious negative so ancillary impacts mm -hmm. right it, there's obvious negative ancillary impacts to just having no law because basically mm -hmm. that's what it is there's no law about abortion right it's, on the book. It, like it it's really not... means anything could happen which is why you have to be diligent and why you have to pay attention <laughs> well i i would agree I, I remember when um let's see if i get this right i i hope i get this right this is from memory and it's ironic not ironic coincidental i guess because it's about weed and i think i forget um but there was a gray area wasn't there a gray area of like eight months between um, when weed was decriminalized and when it was legalized? This, I believe, I think there was. I think that I, there was I'm like, not, there was. It, I'm not an expert, sorry. Um, I'd look let's it assume up. there was. Because, yeah, we, well, we can, we can do that. But let, let's assume it's a hypothetical and we're, because I'm sure that something like that has happened in various states as well where it becomes decriminalized but not legalized. And the decriminalization element of marijuana made life difficult for law enforcement because they're like, well, who are we busting now, right? And so they would hopefully not go after the users because that's silly. Um, but I feel like abortion, um, being in that gray area, once in a while has to then roll up their sleeves and fight sometimes, mm -hmm. um, the activists who support abortion, because by not having a law in the books, 
you have provinces like PEI, which are not legally well, obligated to provide abortion clinics anywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and How, is that's a tough battle. Clinic. Yeah. That's a tough battle, isn't it? Like, how do you, so, so anyways, I guess my question is, um, and, and I don't think you should feel, I, I mean, it's polite and everything, but I don't think you should feel like, um, you know, uh, hesitant to, to, to criticize one position or the other, because I think that what we're no, seeing right it's, now, it's honestly like, that is like, it's not an incorrect opinion is honestly my feeling on that. I really believe that it's just that sometimes opinions though, correct can still have growth and room for further discussion. Right. So let's take the, let's reverse engineer that okay. and say, um, let's say that for argument's sakes, the conservatives uh, allow a, a backbencher to put a motion forward um, to, to reopen the abortion debate. Mm -hmm. I think as a, just not as a man or whatever, like just as I look at that hypothetical, the f thing that comes to my mind is great. The debate can happen. The liberals and NDP can like join forces, pass an actual federal law, codifying it into law so that um, you can't have these gray areas in abortion anymore. Mm -hmm. Is that, con why is that so controversial? Because it is, apparently it is. Apparently opening the debate at all is like, you don't want to go there, it's a sacred cow. Why is yeah. that? There are a lot of sacred cows in Canadian politics, you know, yeah, um, sure. Senate reform and electoral reform. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot that Canadians and I mean, in a way, the country was built like that. The country, um, you know, gathered everyone together for confederation and they made all these compromises and um, Quebec essentially like isolated itself into, you know, the French territory. And um, so that's it's a very Canadian way to sort of be like, no, okay, fine. Just agree to disagree. Um, and es so especially politically with this issue, the path of least resistance for politicians is obviously to sort of main try and maintain the status quo as best they can, um, not try and turn this into something that could allow the opposition to create a fundraising issue um out of it um so it's it is it's very it's very it's interesting as far and so that's i guess for me why i like to focus on um the issue of accessing abortion and how uh geographical distance economic status shouldn't be barriers to being able to obtain these uh this procedure for medical personal financial health reasons there's so many reasons why sorry i'm very passionate about this and i'm rambling a little i'm gonna stop um <laughs> i have known uh, no no i listen i i think it, it is um i said in in a piece that i wrote five years ago that it is one of these issues that literally encompasses everything it encompasses gender obviously um health race socioeconomic class all that kind of stuff all in one um and um you know i i have known people close to me that that have had to make the most harrowing decision of their life um to to obtain an abortion to 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 get that done and i have not met any of these none of the women that i know were ecstatic about getting an abortion it wasn't like this is why when I when I watch people argue on Twitter or on social media, which I shouldn't do, but I do, 
Um, and, and, I, and I see comments like, oh, people just having abortions, like they're ordering steak at a restaurant. And I'm like, I don't think anyone's ever done that. <laughs> not one. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not something, you know, and this is only, theor I can only speak about it theoretically, obviously, because I'm a man. But from what I've seen from the women that I care about that have had to make that decision over the last, say, 30 years or something. Fuck. Like, it, it, it's, I'm glad they had the option. Because I am pro-choice. It's, it's funny because uh, we were talking before we got on air and I was, I was quoting Louis C.K. Um, who, uh, it was five years ago, I, I, was, I saw him at the Air Canada Centre and he said, um, his take, he's like, let's talk about abortion. It was how we opened the entire show. And um, so 20,000 people were like, e, you know. And then he said something that um, rings true to me, but it's a really weird way to frame it as you said before we went on air um that abortion is just like killing babies but women should have the right to do it and the re the, say what you will about the framing of that right he's a comedian but the reason why i actually found it so brilliant is because i i often find that the arguments between the pro-life and the pro-choice camp get lost and both sides are to blame for why it gets lost one side um puts god as their main chess piece of debate which i think is just ridiculous on its face but the other side has a malleable way of defining the fetus um meaning if they don't want the the baby the you know it's like it's not it's not a human life yet it's just mingling cells and this and that but if they want the baby then it's a miracle it needs to be protected at all costs and and I'm just wondering if one of the reasons why we're so polarized is because we always just talk past each other. Like we're just in these two camps and that's it. And we're just going to stay there. And then we talk past each other. I see problems there because of the way that is. And and I was just wondering what your take was on that. I'm um, yeah, the social, the, sorry, the, I'm personally um, more focused on like the social arguments. Um, the scientific arguments definitely um, have merits on, you know, both sides you would say but um that and like sure yeah like louis ck says you know maybe women should have the right to do that but when you frame it that way that's what makes us you know like all women that could possibly make this decision you know that that makes us witches and horrible murderers and and like seriously that's um that doesn't lead to any kind of discussion that benefits anyone maybe except um, i guess god i don't know except what except i guess god i don't know well he doesn't exist so it doesn't yeah matter. um i know but <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> we exist however so we should be able to talk yeah so give me give me okay uh, let's talk about what you're focused on then um rather than me ask all these questions that nibble around the peripheral um so you're focused mostly on the social aspect of abortion mm -hmm. and access mm -hmm. can you give me an example i know the pei one is an example but uh, can you give me an example uh, in Ca another example in canada of how and and i think it does point back to the fact that there are no abortion laws but how abortion plays out in canada when there are no safeguards like legislation to protect it yeah so in new brunswick you know they have one public clinic which in 2012 almost closed um and people had to mobilize to keep that open and, you know, even to this day, uh, New Brunswick makes you pay for an abortion unless you have it as like an emergency procedure in the hospital. So um, it's not covered under public health care. So 
and in rural areas, you know, in parts of Canada as well. It, and this is a problem that is very consistent with rural areas in general. But obviously, the further away you live from a city center, the harder it is to access because it costs gas money or plane money to actually get you to your appointment, even if the appointment is covered. So um, there's economic factors in play there as well. Um, and it just, so we do have conversations, I think, in this country that we could have and need to have about access. Why does the pro-life crowd own the abstinence argument? And um, I'm going to frame that in like this. I'm 45. Mm -hmm. When I was like in grade nine, I think, maybe grade 10, Magic Johnson contracted HIV. All of us were scared shitless about catching HIV because we were young and we were just exploring sex and it was like condoms were like, I was scared straight into knowing that I needed to use a condom. Why hasn't there been some sort of motivating factor to, to, to get young people to sort of take that a little bit more seriously? To take abstinence? abstinence, either more abstinence or just protected sex or whatever. I, I, I never see ads anymore that are directed towards young teens about um, having protected sex or just waiting until they're it's mature enough to understand it. You know? I mean, yeah, that's, and to me, that's a side issue because I don't believe that abortion um, impacts, um, like, I think that people maybe have the perception that teenage pregnancy is um, a major factor in, like, people who are, ha who are having abortions, but I don't believe that the numbers would actually support that. I think that many adult women are having abortions. Uh, for whatever those reasons may be. So I think that like the abstinence argument is ridiculous for an adult because you're going to have the, an abstinence argument, you're going to have an abstinence conversation with an adult male. I don't think so. Um, or, and 18 so, to 29 is 50% of the abortions in Canada or 18 yeah. to 29. So that's not really teenage pregnancy, but yeah, you're right. No. But I mean, I, I don't know, like a 22 year old now, like a 15 year old in 1994, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit. Yeah. Just, I mean, in so, 94, I was nine, so I know a little bit. Well, right. thank you for joining us, Abby Simpson. That was great. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I saw this tweet by, uh, I actually used to write for the post millennial before they became totally Nazi, but anyways, um, conservatives will not introduce legislation to reopen the abortion debate says Lita Bergen. Mm -hmm. That's an easy thing for her to say. She won't yeah. be leader in about two months, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. do you have a real concern that that is coming or do I you mean, welcome it because you I want mean, the law on the books? I would like the law to be something, for me personally, I would like Justin Trudeau to finally put his money where his mouth is and put a law on the books on his way out the door, just like John Cretchen did with gay marriage in, in 2004. Um, that same text marriage would uh, so yeah. that's what i would prefer um for personal reasons uh for whatever um just because yeah. um but in reality and obviously better for democracy that doesn't happen but i don't want it to be something that would fall under a conservative government to lead the way um the harp like the harper government 
did allow backbenchers to bring bills forward to try and reopen the debate several times uh, throughout their tenure. Um, there was and, more than just. But it's interesting now, right? Because you, you, you know, you said in your piece that maybe if we finally open the debate and put a law down on the books, is there a concern that a majority of Canadians are not pro-choice? Is that sort of the concern you think among some? Uh, no, it's that it really, it's. Cause I know women are, women are polarized on mm -hmm. abortion. Okay. If you look at the actual numbers, mm -hmm. it's it's like 52-48 pro-choice. Like it's not, you know, it's within the margin of error. Which ironically, this would be more ironic than coincidental. Um it means that the men who are pro-choice are are, you know, if there was a referendum, it would actually be the men that would kind of save the day. No, not like and I'm just saying because you know, that's just the way the numbers pan out. It doesn't mean anything. And the thing no. is, um, is like there are certain issues that shouldn't be left up to a referendum and oh absolutely 100 i personally um, think that this is one of those issues i think that it is an issue that for me access to abortion is something that we can provide canadians um that doesn't take anything away from the canadians who are not going to use it so except i don't know some tax change like come come on like this is not this is not really something that people are so deeply impacted by that they have to do like they have to force a woman to carry a child for 40 weeks in which she may die. So that right there is is anytime I unpack this issue from any angle at all. Okay. That is why I'm pro-choice. Okay. What you just said. You cannot force a woman Good. to give birth. It, it's it's as soon as that as soon and so it trumps all these other things that I think are actually heinous mm -hmm. that I don't necessarily think happen here a lot, but like sex selective abortion, which happens in China and India a lot, I think is fucking evil. Oh, it's a girl. Oh, abort it. I, we, we really want a boy. That kind of bullshit is like, but that doesn't happen that much here. But even if it did, I'm still like, well, the alternative force women to give birth. Okay. I'm going to not support sex selection abortion but i still think that you can't you ultimately cannot force women to give birth so it's like you don't support that issue but at least you understand that where you're where my end game is and that's my end game mm -hmm. hi i'm steve yurko and i'm tara sands now available from maji media is our new podcast four kids flashback Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? 
Well, I can help. My name is Matt Cundell, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. I was, I have a really kind of more philosophical question that I want to ask you, if you will. Um, Does it ever give you pause to know whether or not they're motivated by religion or not, to know that the other people are operating from a starting point where they literally believe that a baby is being murdered? Whether or not you agree with that or think it's an absurd idea is, kind of besides the point closing your eyes and knowing what it's like to like have a starting point like that or to imagine what that would feel like does that give you pause to maybe want to understand the other side a little bit no (laughs) it makes me say that like so okay i can say i'm not mad i can say that i recognize that that premise sounds horrifying i can recognize that what i want everyone to understand is that so many babies have been murdered by the billions by women who have never spoken about the choice that they made because the framing from the other side is that they are a murderer so when that is the starting point for this debate for the any kind of compromise to be made on this argument when that is the starting point it's a non-star it's a non-starter sorry yeah and that's why this debate is so difficult i think because Mm -hmm. i i i can see i can see the logic in thinking that it is taking a human life i I understand Mm -hmm. the logic behind it Mm -hmm. on the other side of it i understand that um that is, it is an extension of a singular human being's body at that point. Um, I can understand from a policy and legislation perspective that an unborn person doesn't have rights, although it does sound a little cold-hearted, it just is. And I can understand from the other perspective that, you know, um, the longer you wait, the more obvious it is that it's a human being. I, I don't know how to navigate these waters or to watch the groups that have the most invested in this issue navigate those waters um and i'm wondering if that's a lost cause if some sort of civil rational discussion is a lost cause between pro-life and pro-choice people it might be how how are you going to convince one in four women that they are murderers like it's just it's is that the is that the stats? Like twenty five percent of Canadian women have have yeah. gotten at least one abortion. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That seems mm-hmm. like a lot. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. People think that it's like you know, teenagers, you know, that are like not abstaining or not using condoms, and like it's really. I wasn't saying Such that that's a my large issue. Like it is, like it is, it absolutely impacts more women than will ever say. Absolutely, absolutely. What do you think? Is- until until mm-hmm. the debate can change, the premise of the entire debate can change. That these women are not murderers. These women are fighting 
for their own equality in a society that is telling them that they are a baby maker. That's it. Like, so it just, that's Does society that tell women me. that still? Pardon? Does society still tell women that, that they're just baby makers? I mean, if that's, I mean, if we're forced to carry children to term and regardless of what it might do for our financial situation, our, our employment situation, our home situation, um, our health situation, our fashion, our fashion um, situation. I mean, I they don't even put pockets <laughs> on pregnancy clothes. Well, you, actually, you they might. girls, I don't know. Listen, actually. listen, I, 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 I like, uh, I, you know, I've dated women that are, um, like, you know, a little curvy and, uh, cause I like hip hop. So I've worn their jeans sometimes cause I'm short. Right. Mm -hmm. What the fuck is up with your little ass pockets? What, yeah, why do women have no pockets? Can someone explain that? Is it because it will ruin the shape if you start putting shit in there? Is that, I guess, I don't know. It's cause they're supposed to be That's tight. patriarchal. See, if I was a woman, I would be so political about the pockets on jeans. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think you're, you're missing the issue in your of purse. You don't need to put it in a big pocket in your butt. Purse. Another example of the patriarchy, as far as I'm mm -hmm. concerned. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Um, so listen, um, are you more of a Bart Simpson person or a Milhouse person? <laughs> oh, God. Like, if you had to date Milhouse or Bart, who would, <laughs> who would you date? Oh, God. I'd end up dating Bart, and it would be such a mistake, as is my nature. <laughs> I think this could pass as you and Bart. Okay. It's close. That's uh -huh. Jenny. And, and Jenny had, was the girlfriend of Bart, but she got with Milhouse too. Oh, so, snap. Hopefully the laws don't change for young Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, have you ever had, because I have, have you ever had the unfortunate, I'm not going to ask you about a personal thing at all. I'm asking if you've ever had to accompany a friend to go and get an abortion. Um, like, honestly, like. And the reason why I'm asking is because I have, and, and it was such, I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't prepared for like the phases that she went through. Okay while we went to go get this done and how um how devastated she was and i'm just wondering if you've ever had a similar experience i'm not trying to get you to like speak out of school or share something totally like inappropriate or anything do i I'm sound like someone who has not had a similar experience to what you have just described with I everything I that i have said to... in the last what half hour I, I didn't want do to make I an sound like that. You know? <laughs> do I lead I with that impression? I am absolutely um, I trying my best to be polite and not necessary. make assumptions. Um, okay, I, I just because I thought it was it. I heard someone else talking on the radio about, um, and that's what made me think about it about um, about her taking her sister, and just all of these steps that she went through. And I just thought um, it would be compelling for people to hear it because it kind of puts a little bit more of a, of a humanity stamp onto this issue, uh, which is weird because the whole issue is about human beings. Um, the decision in the States, um, what, what a lot of people are saying right now is that it's all it's going to do is throw the rights, uh, throw abortion rights back to the state. So if you live in Oklahoma or something like that and you need to get an abortion, you might have to drive and, and still get an abortion. So do you think it's like, it, it is an all or nothing game isn't it for activists like if either abortion rights are are enshrined and you can access one within 
whatever 50 kilometers or whatever of your home mm-hmm. or is not enshrined and then protests start how realistic is that though like how, I, I you know like how do you convince an entire country to believe in one thing when certain pockets of the country just don't great question you know the people that have been protesting outside of abortion clinics for however however many years like can't change their minds either right so that's true this is this is it right that's that's the problem that's why we have decriminalized abortion law federal abortion laws in canada that's why you know roe versus wade was leaked by a supreme court aide likely who knows but apparently they're trying to put that person in jail yeah well america does that I mean, so does Canada. Well, house arrest. House arrest for what? Oh, I'm just like people who like share secrets. There was a. Oh right, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, that's um, a totally it, other it, issue. Doesn't it, doesn't even rate in this one. All of a sudden, I started thinking of like whether or not Julian Assange has ever been pregnant. Well, he's not been to Canada, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But he's going to be extradited, and it's not going to be good for him. No. Um, okay, <laughs> listen. Um, I, I appreciate the conversation. I, I, I really, I, I wanted to get into the more personal stuff, but I totally get that, that you wouldn't want to go there again. I, I wasn't thinking in terms of you personally, but um, I do think this issue the, is, the, is the one of the thing is like the personal is personal, right? So some people yeah. may feel there's no like wrong answer. There's no, but the, the thing is, is like nobody wants their personal uh, experiences to be weaponized in any way not that you would but um necessarily I, like some people absolutely will share and you know um all power to them and all the details you know like certain certain scenarios sometimes you want to protect other people by saying nothing so you know there this is but this is part of like how and why i say that so many people probably don't even realize this the scope or extent of women in their life who've actually had this decision yeah. to make. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's really it. Like, it's not like I'm like, or being cagey. <laughs> you know what the funny part is, is that we've argued on literally every podcast that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And um, we just did 32 minutes on abortion. I don't think mm-hmm. we argued once. Nope. Test, a testament to me, I should say. No, I'm just kidding. Well, it's a testament. We're growing. I, I can't tell you how many people have said this is also uh, an James important issue to me, so I didn't want to fuck it up. <laughs> Listen, I I am the only one out of the two of us that could possibly fuck this up, right? Everybody <laughs> know that. Um, but uh, listen, it was a pleasure having you on. Um, I wanted I wanted to have a another guest on, and then I almost booked her. Um, but she was pro life, and I thought to myself, I don't want to do this. Um, to Abby. I don't want to have to sit there and referee some argument between you and, and someone who believes uh, Jesus told her not to have an abortion. So I don't want. Uh, and if that's true so for I, her, then I think that's wonderful for her. Yeah, but I took a pass on it anyways um, mm-hmm. because I wanted to have our first podcast where we didn't fight, Abby. Yay. I love you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Abby Simpson, thank you for joining us. We'll have you back again. We'll do a okay. show that's a little bit more fun. Okay. Okay. I promise. Sounds good. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. Bye. Yeah, um, there is a part of me that always wants to talk about um, the things that I'm not allowed to talk about. 
and um, I'm never going to change. I thought what I would do with this show, um, I cut it a little bit short. I thought I thought I cut it at the right time, but um, I, I wrote something five years ago for the Huffington Post. Um, the the headline is "Abortion Debate Poisoned by Pro-Choice and Pro-Life Labels." I'm I'm just going to read this. Um, do you guys remember the um, former host of Q, that man that we're not allowed to talk about? How he used to do his essays at the beginning of his shows. I like that. I'm going to do one at the end here. Um, the instrumental, which I'm sure will get flagged somewhere, um, is from Common's Retrospective Life. Um, for all you hip-hop heads out there, that is a song about abortion. I believe the first verse is about not keeping the baby. The second verse is about keeping the baby. Because $315 ain't worth your soul. Anyways, it's a good beat. And, um, yeah. I'm going to read from that now. And, uh, and then I'm just going to sign off. So uh, we'll see you Thursday back on Blackballed. And, um, yeah. Abortion debate poisoned by pro-choice and pro-life labels. Women should have the right to kill children as long as they are still inside them. But it is killing children. It's just that it's okay if they do. These are the words from comedian Louis C.K. when he performed five years ago in Toronto at the Air Canada Centre. The 20,000 people in attendance applauded and laughed, pushing down any evidence of being offended and basking in the hilarious logic, wavering in their own minds as to whether it was offensive, nonfiction, or both. Abortion has probably been the most divisive, complex issue in modern times. It ensnares every polarizing conversation, like religion, gender, socioeconomic conditions, class warfare, politics, and even race. A collision of emotional anguish and legalese envelops all those who dare engage with the impassioned teams from either side. The enemies of the truth, the hypocrites too drunk on ideology to engage sensibly. I always believed that as a man I should just keep my head down when tempted to weigh in on abortion debates. Part of me still feels that way, but after my partner and I bought, brought two kids into this world, I felt an incorrigible, nagging voice that would not go away. This voice, when I allow it to speak, feverishly runs through the typical pro-life and pro-choice mantras, arguing with itself until I am mentally exhausted from the mutual blind spot of each side. <clears throat> I only knew two things for certain. If my wife had an abortion a year and a half ago, my daughter would not be on my lap as I typed this piece, and she should never lose the right to end a pregnancy. There are several contradictions embedded within the two accepted positions of abortion politics. In the pro-choice camp, the definition of a fetus changes depending on whether or not the mother wants to keep the baby. If she doesn't, a fetus is just a bunch of mingling cells, an organic compound that does not constitute an actual living thing. If she does want to start a family, that fetus becomes a miracle, something to be protected at costs. This malleable definition is understandable given the enormous magnitude a decision like having an abortion carries. But it is still impossible to reconcile considering the deference to logic and consistency we must give the definition of a singular thing. Meanwhile, pro-life camps continue to place religious people front and center to articulate the notion of a fetus being a living thing. After decades of losing the argument by putting God before science, religion before logic, they still appear unable to grasp why theocracy is not an effective starting point if your goal is to increase the support for preventing abortions in the first place. Add to that a vehement tendency to place abortions side by side with strangulations and drive-by shootings and you have a camp unwilling to adjust their dogma to the detriment of society itself. Everything about this issue makes my head explode. First and foremost, there is an unhealthy prerequisite of undying support for one group or the other. 
a destructive starting point steeped in deliberate polarization that works as a barometer and an albatross for both sides. You're either with us or you are a murderer. You're either with us or you hate women. Lovely, I know, but also an accurate depiction of the insanity that grips this issue. Accusations of misogyny are a typical ruse by pro-choicers when describing pro-lifers, a fallacy of epic proportions as it ignores one obligatory fact. Far more women are against abortion than men. In fact, if it were not for men co-signing women's right to choose, abortion laws would have been challenged more fiercely a long time ago. But in our hyper-chivalrous society, men are being asked to shut up and nod politely as they help hold the abortion door open. Cynical reality, given the vital role they play in the debate. And while there is some fodder in the spotlight where old men attempt to be the sole arbitra arbitrators of women's health, by and large, men are actually the most valuable allies in the fight to keep abortion legal. And all of this leads me to believe that we need to scrap the pro-life and pro-choice labels so that we can usher in a new era of rationalism and honesty. Taken on its face, I am more inclined to sign with a pro-choice argument from a legal standpoint. But the branding of that label has been poisoned, commandeered by radicals who are disinterested in discussing real ancillary issues as such as mental health and, and the societal impact of abortion on women, children, and men. On the other hand, from a biological perspective, I am more inclined to side with the pro-life position. Abortion means ending a life. But again, this label has been politically poisoned and is a paradoxical position if you do not believe in forcing women to give birth or punishing them if they do. Once you really boil down the dominating talking points and focus on the scientific, emotional, and legal realities, you come to a fairly uncomfortable conclusion that Louis C.K. was right. Abortion should remain legal, and it is literally like ending a life. Our society, for better or worse, has decided that this is a self-deference issue, a self-defense issue, in the realm of justifiable homicide where a woman is given the authority to destroy another human being in the early stages of life and i believe as a society we should strike the balance between supporting this right and labeling it accurately and perhaps by erasing the pro-choice pro-life labels we can succumb to a more rational less polarized dialogue where demonization becomes a relic from the past and that's how i think about this issue my name is James DeFury, you're watching Blackballed, and we'll see you next time. I'm Matt Cundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.